the Fables and Reflections podcast, where we reflect on any and all of the fables of Neil Gaiman. I'm your host, Angela Bones Bullock. And I'm your other host, J.D. Martin. And on this episode, uh, is a continuation on the last one of the it's nightmare fuel of uh, <laughs> Coraline. Just, just wanting to scar small children. A little song about Coraline. That that yeah, the the couple of songs that are in here are are, are bangers. That that's one of them. Um, but yeah, so this uh, episode, like I said, is the twenty is the two thousand nine movie adaptation uh, by Like His Studios, with direction by Henry Selick and the screenplay by Henry Selick. 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 I think I, I I believe it's Selick. Selick. Okay. Like Tom um, Selleck and that beautiful mustache. I'm not sure if it's spelled the same way. It's not. It's, it's really not. Yeah. His name, you know, Henry Selleck's is literally like Selleck. Yeah. With an um, I. But uh, this actually, it's a pretty insane voice cast. So Coraline is Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Which uh, um, I love that they were like when, th- when this movie was originally supposed to be a live action movie. Dakota Fanning had signed on at that point and was going to play her live action. And then when they switched to, was switched back to doing it as animation, she stayed on because she just found like that idea of being just uh, th- that being very fun. Uh, I, well, I mean, yeah, it's still like, it's perfect casting. Um, Cause she was born 94. So 2009. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, 15, 14, something like that. I, I, I can't do the math in my head properly, hmm. or com- not, not properly, confidently. I cannot currently do it in my head, and I refuse to bust out a calculator for this. She was fifteen. Uh, trivia. Um, yeah. So yeah, like Coraline uh, is supposed to be like eleven or twelve in the book. So you know, not not uh, totally out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Mel Jones is the other mother slash. Oh, excuse me. Terry Hatcher <laughs> is Mel Jones. Slash the other mother. I was about to say, uh, I was like, they that's actually, the mom's name. Well, it, well, in here they actually, uh, well, in here they actually give the the parents' names, parents' names, uh, compare it to just mom and dad, or you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Which uh, I was listening to the Beatles earlier. To, uh, I was listening to Bob Dylan earlier today, and not this particular song, but um, you don't, uh, you don't understand what's happening here, do you, Mr. Jones? Oh which, yeah, that's a great uh, song. Yeah, any, uh, anyone who's interested in, in deciphering the lyrics of that song, uh, there's a great so- a video by Polyphonic that everyone should check out about that song. I think I have. Oh, well, it, 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 since, uh, it, I mean, I am the one that brought up Bob Dylan, but I will continue down this rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> there's a, an amazing movie. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it is a biography but not a Bob I'm not Dylan. there. Uh, it is it is I'm not there. Yeah. Okay. The um, Todd Haynes movie. I was yeah, I was mixing up with a uh, wish you were here or like yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm not there. And kind of covers his different different eras of his life um but presenting them as different characters. Mm-hmm. Uh and so one of them was um I think that was the uh Tilda Swinton section. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Well, and this, and this one, Kate Blanchett is is like the way they make her up is androgynous enough to play Bob Dylan, uh, specifically the version of Bob Dylan from um, uh, his plug-in phase, like when he first plugs in 
and uh, dresses all in black with big shades. Yeah. And speaking uh, of Cape Blanchett, big... tying it back to uh, to Coraline, uh, Cape Blanchett was in the wonderful uh, Wes An- highly underrated Wes Anderson film, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which had animation done by Henry Selick, the writer and director of this movie. Uh, yeah, because Henry Selick also, um, yeah, to get back to that, uh, so his two major or i guess three major films you could two okay two major one infamous film uh (laughs) which was um nightmare before christmas burton did not direct that no just based off of i i shattered my 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 former partner i shattered her world when i told her that it wasn't directed by tim burton it's yeah it's like based off like a sketch like a like pages of his sketchbook Mm mm-hmm yeah, so he did that. James and the Giant Peach, uh, which was a childhood staple, personally. <laughs> like, I it's still have the VHS. Awesome movie. I remember watching that. Before even seeing the movie, I remember seeing the trailer on, like, every VHS I owned. Yeah. So he had experience in, in stop motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, and Leica Studios is, like, the current um, creme de la creme of stop motion. Yeah, and this was, their, um, this was the first movie from, this, from Leica. Was it? It was. Yeah, that, this was their first production because because it was no what 2011 i think was paranormal well i know i i know paranormal i can't remember the the year for paranormal off the top of my head but i know paranormal was important because that was the first one where they 3d printed the faces so if you so if you look at the weirdness of um the facial animation somewhat in Coraline, but probably more so in um night before christmas and james the giant peach there's a there is a, a weirdness to it but that smoothed out a bunch when they, instead of having to move only small pieces, they just 3D printed the entire face and then just swapped out the face for each frame that they needed. Um, yeah, because I know, I was reading up, like, they, I think they built, like, over 20 statues for Coraline alone. Yeah. And each, and each one, they could, they, they could change the expression, um, you know, like, a million different ways on each one. Uh, which yeah, and and yeah, it is um, it is stop motion animation. Which uh, one of my notes is um, uh, I, I would I would get the wording right from my uh from my original. <laughs> uh, well, the, the general idea is uh, fuck anybody that doesn't like stop motion animation. Just like yeah, yeah it's just like they're like oh like why don't you CG your hand animated? It's like well no like it's like it's a different. It's a different form. It's a different, not uh, not entirely different medium, but it's using a different. I, I guess I I guess the difference in my head is they're using a different medium for the same medium, like uh, oil paint versus um, oil paint versus uh, watercolor. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, I, and the thing is, like, I I can't see this story being portrayed in any other way. If it was like, if, like if you're if you're gonna make this story into a movie, it can only be stop motion animation yeah i was like oh like yeah i like specifically like the the other mother's hand so like the the opening sequence is um uh is showing the other mother sewing a like making a doll and just like the attention to detail the smoothness of everything but also like the look of her hands uh because it's like it's her final form hands of being that like, like sewing they needles? almost look like needles themselves yeah they almost look like so neat so it's it's yeah it's just fantastic um very creepy yeah and i also like shout out to a credit who like i always forget that he that he like was on this 
uh, one of the lead animators was Travis Knight, who would go on to be a director, and he like he directed uh, another Leica movie, Kubo and the Two Strings, and directed the best Transformers movie of the 21st century, Bumblebee. Oh, wow. Well, I really liked Kubo and the Two Strings as another Leica production. Like, just for the, the uh, I mean, for again, for that, that movie's beauty. Uh, but also just like the message of that movie. Um, all of them are really good. The only one I ha- that I haven't, I've only, I've not seen two of the Leica movies. And I think, I think I know what two they are. Uh, well, I, it's the box troll, the box trolls and missing link. Exactly. Uh, I really, I really want to yeah. watch missing link. Um, much more lukewarm on the idea of box trolls. Box trolls. It's so good. It's really, really good. Um, I highly recommend the box trolls. Uh, so yeah, like the like it's like kind of a mid tier studio. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at the budget. Like if you, if box you if you want if you want more incentive to watch it, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, the uh, good lord, the actor who the voice actor who like right now who like voices all the clone the clones in the oh, Clone yeah. Wars. What's his I, name? I, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember. Okay, him. He voices all the trolls, all the box trolls. Oh, okay. And it's amazing. And it's got, and also connection to Coraline. It has Dakota's younger sister, Elle Fanning, in one of the lead roles. Um, and Simon Pegg is in it too. Okay, so they were, uh, oh, okay, so they were also contracted for Corpse Bride. But yeah, Missing Link was the first one of theirs that that didn't make any money. Yeah, it kind of tanked, which is uh, unfortunate. Um, yeah, because everything. It's also it's the only one. It's the only one I haven't seen. Uh, which is also like that weekend wasn't great. Uh, for 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 two other things. One, it was also the weekend that uh that Hellboy came out. Oh yeah. And that Friday that those two movies came out was April twelfth, twenty nineteen, my twenty first birthday. Okay. So that so like I just kind of like doomed those movies. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, no, I think uh, <laughs> probably marketing did that. Um, at least for the Hellboy. <laughs> uh, I think that I, I think that was uh, also word of mouth spreading the fact that it is uh, in in this host's opinion not a good movie. It's fine. Like it does not have the heart. Definitely does not have the heart of the del toro movies oh for sure no and do not misunderstand i am bitter that we did not get Guillermo del toro hellboy 3 but oh i'm bitter uh, as hell about that yeah it's i I definitely still am bitter but it was you know it was it was okay uh david arbor did something different uh still kind of did the same kind of regular guy vibes um that the character needs but yeah yeah missing league was the first one that lost money and i have a feeling it's because of the voice cast because the their first four movies Coraline, paranorman box trolls kubo were 60 million dollars <laughs> and all had like kids as the main mm. character and then missing link was 102.3 million dollar budget and yeah because it had freaking hugh jackman as the lead and then you have zoe saldana and zach galifianakis on yeah, top <laughs> so like i have a feeling that the budget went towards <laughs> towards the voice cast uh, it only made twenty six million. <laughs> Every everything God, else, uh, everything else, nearly doubled its budget or at least made a profit. Um, yeah. So I hope they make another movie. Like I hope Missing Link didn't didn't kill Leica. I hope so too because you know like I I'm assuming like when I go, when I eventually do watch Missing Link I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, but so far the four of the five that I've seen I have enjoyed yep. all of them. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, so Dakota Fanning is Coraline, uh, so it's a great, 
this is a great voidcast, not an expensive one though at the time. <laughs> so yeah, that is true because this was Terry Hatcher when she was still she was still on Desperate Housewives at this um, point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, two thousand nine, and Keith David as the cat, uh, which we talked of, which so we talked good. about in the previous episode. Uh, and John Hodgman as uh, Charlie Jones or the dad uh, slash the other father. Also, my personal favorite, Ian McShane as uh, Mr. Bobo slash Mr. Bobinski. Ah, yes. Hello, Caroline. <laughs> uh, I am I am always here for Ian McShane. Um, oh, which absolutely. We, absolutely. Uh, which we will be getting into with uh, uh, more when we get cover the American Gods show because he plays Mr. Wednesday. Uh, so excited. I, I, I love um, this one. He was on a talk show or something, and he was talking about um, he was going to a red carpet. Or something, which he doesn't go to a, a lot too. Like he's not a, he's not usually in movies. He's uh, or like big big movies, but you know he he works. Um, but anyway, so he's going to a, you know flying from England to L.A. for the premiere, and his grandkids are like, "Oh, can we go?" And I think his grandkids are like uh, beginning college age, and he's like, and he's like, mm-hmm. "No, you're gonna keep you're, you're gonna go to the classes that I'm fucking paying for." <laughs> And, and, I, and that's what he actually said was like you're going you're like you want me to keep fucking paying for college you're not going to la it's like currently we live like kids currently we live under capitalism so therefore i still have to pay for your college and i don't want it to go to waste so you're gonna go uh, yeah but yeah so all right so i guess let's get into um the so like i said the opening is great. So, like, the opening credit sequence is, uh, I think, a classic piece of animation where it's just, it's showing this, um, yeah, it's, show, it's all close-up shots of the other mother making this doll, which looks like Coraline, which is the first mm-hmm. change from the book. The implication that the movie gives is that um, when Coraline moves in and she's unsatisfied, that that's what brings the other mother's attention to her and not just the fact that she just shows up <laughs> just like, um yeah that she's not just already yeah, there and like unlocks the door and all that and all that stuff but uh, and then i guess the second the second major change is yb so the opening scene yeah well okay okay hold on before we get to yb let's go back to what we were talking about i do believe like i i would say that like like the Beldum was definitely there from the beginning, and like she's all like she's of course always there. She's already you know like in like in the book and the movie, like they both established that like she has taken multiple children over the years. Um, I think it's just that she like just knows that Coraline is going to be there, so she creates a doll in her image to like just be her spy. Well, yeah, well that's the thing. It's like, but it's. The kind of tone I picked up on, on the movie, mm-hmm. is that she's not satisfied with her life. She uses the doll to spy. I think even Coraline says that. She uses the doll to spy on you to see how you don't like your life. Yeah, what like what in your life is bringing you unhappiness? Uh, compared to the book where she just happened to be unleashed because the door gets opened and uh, and left unlocked. That's what I feel like the that's what I feel like the okay. book is implying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like she does live in this house, in this other house connected by this this weird door. Yeah. But, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But she only gets unleashed because and that's why like in the book she does it it's just kind of general like oh like like pink and green room with with random toys and everything. It's not personalized. 
in the movie it's personalized because of the doll and and you can kind of right. because of that change you can kind of see why Coraline would want to stay um mm-hmm. More or like why she considers it like in the movie she considers it like there's more tension. Yeah, she goes back a lot more than she does in in, um, in the book. But so you have that. But I think um, the other change, like I said, so Coraline. The opening scene is the same, introducing Coraline. She goes around the house and explores the grounds and all that different stuff. But when she goes to the old well, uh, Wybie shows up, which is this uh, this kid. Like in this tr is like in this like trench coat with welding helmet with uh where he put like magnifying glass on it. Yeah, and it's like he's like it looks like he painted a skull on it and he's yeah. also wearing like skeleton hand gloves. Yeah. Uh kind of a weirdo. But he's me. Yeah. But, he's but me. also like sweet. He's just like he's weird, but like he never like is antagonistic. Uh um No, no, not at all. Uh Coraline doesn't <laughs> Coraline immediately doesn't like him because he's weird. He's just like, Go away, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's another change. They make her much more bratty. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, and and, and it, 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 I don't know, maybe it, it makes sense, uh, just for a U.S. audience. It's I don't even know it's, if it's that. I think it's um so like the other change I feel in terms of the core part of it is instead of the book being uh just a general kind of coming of age story like she learns to take on responsibility and like other people needing her and and you know stepping up this movie Coraline's arc is appreciating what she has and so I feel like that's a a, a slight difference but yeah yeah, see, my note says, yeah, the book the book Coraline has a story arc of growing up and becoming brave. Movie Coraline has an arc of appreciating what she has. Uh, and that's established where she's like very bored looking for things Instead of just kind of like, and and the antagonism between her and her parents. So instead of just like, we are working, sweetie. Can you go do this? You know, can you go do something else? Maybe it's because they can actually speak, but like the line deliveries are just very exasperated. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, like like I I remember like after after having read because I. Before reading the book, I had only seen the movie once, and then after reading the book, I, I wa- I've now watched it twice more. Um, and after reading the book, I was just like, wow, uh, the dad in the movie seems like he's like a bit more just like exasperated with everything. Yeah, like John Hod- yeah, uh, John Hodgman does a great job of like this wry humor with a yeah, with like a little bit of exasperation when she tells Coraline to like go count the windows list everything blue instead of kind of like the whimsical way it comes off in the book he's just like he he starts to say like go do this go do that just like leave me to yeah, work well, please no, he starts out saying it kind of whimsically but then just says but then just says do whatever just let me work yeah and her mother yeah and with and with her mother she's very antagonistic um the glove scene they they still have the glove scene in the book and the movie and yeah, I, I, did it? Did the gloves come back in the book? I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. No, I, I know, I know they, no, well, they came back in in the other world in the book. Like, uh, like they were they were left by the by the Beldum to like entice her more, and then that's when we got that scene of like Coraline confronting the Beldum of like, do you, like do you think this is actually what yeah. I want? Uh, whereas whereas here in the movie, like they. They're kind of like they're they're used more as a symbol of the rela- of the relationship uh, ma- uh, making a ch- like the, the relationship has changed mm-hmm. slightly 
and the, and I like I like so I was reading before we started recording I was reading an interview with Henry that Henry Selick did who uh, apparently is actually like a pretty quiet person like is very private about what about like the process in general and and doesn't usually do interviews if that's wrong Henry Selick please uh, come on the show and tell me <laughs> tell me I'm wrong yeah uh, you do tons of interviews this is an yeah. open invite Henry Selick yeah, come do, on the yeah, show if you, do, uh, <laughs> you know uh, any type of random interview we're open. We are we are totally open, um, but he mentioned that like he did, like he wrote he when he was adapting the script what he wanted to do was he wanted to make sure that like their relationship hasn't really like like the like hasn't really changed and that like they're still the same like they're still the same people but Coraline has just grown like her yeah. for what she does at, you know as her mother so like the glo- like when when her mother leaves her, when Mel leaves her the gloves in her bed. That's like a, like a symbol of like the relationship is like is kind of making a change, but not really. That like they're still like they're still the same people, yeah. but it's entering a new stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's the thing. So it's like it's it's changes, but it's like it's it's you know to tell a slightly different story. One of my problems is when they uh, just solely use the name, um, which I feel like uh, Stanley Kubrick did with The Shining. It's like. All right, you know, all right, Stanley, like, fine enough story, I guess, but why, why, why did it have to be The Shining? Like, I, yeah, I, I feel like this is a uh, close enough. Like, it's, it's, it's different, but not in a yeah. Extreme and and Stanley so, like, also mentioned that like, if he had just straight adapted the book, it would be like a forty-five minute movie. Uh, yeah, there's well, there's um, yeah, like the the interactions with uh the neighbors are a little bit longer. Also, one thing that so I want to talk about like the the benefits and drawback of seeing things. So I think one benefit of actually seeing the world and Coraline walk through it is uh, seeing the layout of everything, her house and the rest of the apartments, and then also seeing the slight improvements from her world to the new world before the degradation, mm-hmm. before the disintegration. So, like, real world, Mr. Bobinski uh, is fatter, has a thinner, wirier mustache. Her father's hair is, like, tighter uh, to her to his head. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's a big benefit. Oh, I guess one thing about, one less thing about YB. So his addition is also not, it's not just, like, for shits and giggles. YB's grandmother's sister, so YB's great aunt, uh, is one of the kids that went missing. Yeah, it ties it ties him to the history of the house. Well, it, it ties him to the history. Or at of least the, ties his family. Yeah, it ties his family to the history of the house, but also, like, we get the stakes sooner. Mm-hmm. Like, we get the stakes sooner, and then, like, things build to where, like, okay, there's this warning. She finds Then she finds this weird door and goes through, and then we, like, start to sense everything, and, and it's all because of, um, yeah. So, like, I, I like that change in terms of we know the, the build-up starts sooner. Yeah, and then also, like, the, the, thing, the thing about, uh, you know, pros is that it's all internal. So if, if you didn't have YB there in this visual medium where everything is external, everything, everything is visual, you would essentially just have Coraline talking to herself the whole time, and... Mm-hmm that's not really that fun to watch. It's more fun to have her interacting with someone, especially someone of her own age who she doesn't get along with who, and, and, and like they see things from a different point of view. And then eventually like they, they clash because 
you know, the, the, their their viewpoints are so different. Yeah. Well, and she also, uh, well, and then speaking of like the change, like appreciating things she has, she also appreciates YB by the end. Um, yeah. Because the because uh, there is another YB who the other mother from the beginning sh- uh, sews his mouth shut like he can't speak because Coraline finds him talking so much annoying. <laughs> Which is weird because later he does shush at one point. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's that's the only verbiage. Uh, yeah, you know. I, I I think more like she just like removed his vocal cords, which that's terrifying to think about. Like she just like opened up his th- his neck and just like tore out something. Uh, uh-huh. well, no, well, what's well, what we actually see on camera with with the other YB is fucked up. So, <laughs> the oh other, god, yeah, the other YB screws up and like is kind of like sad for Coraline but of course he can't speak so like he makes a sad face and the other mother's pissed about that so the next time we see the other YB she has sewn his lips into a smile like taken the corners pulled them back and sewed them into his cheeks which Uh, is like a very joker thing to do yeah um, it's like the laughing gas didn't work I'm just gonna sew your sew your mouth into a smile uh, but yes, and, and, and like individual changes are cool. So if you Google Mr. Bobinski compared to Mr. Bobo, Mr. Bobinski is blue skinned. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about this in the previous, uh, episode, but Mr. Bobinski is blue skinned. And of course that's weird because everybody else has normal colored skin. He's we- He wears a badge all the time. Yeah. And that badge means <laughs> apparently that he worked, uh, the Chernobyl disaster. And, yeah, he he was part of the cleanup. Uh, and it turned his skin blue, and then he and why and like why he's so like eccentric and and like exaggerated. Well, I think that's just because he's like they show him doing uh the the movie shows him doing acrobat acrobatic stuff and stuff like that. So like kind of implying the reason he's doing a mouse circus is because he was part of a circus before. Yeah, which and, and then just like him him having gotten older, it's 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 easier for him to or, or maybe like as he's gotten older like he wants a new challenge uh to be part to be part of the circus so he's now making a mouse circus yeah two other notes about the the animation or like character designs so they have the bat dogs that we were talking about last yeah. time so like that yeah so they go down when she goes into the theater and you see the crowd of dogs did you notice the human teeth on the dogs yes yes i did <laughs> Yes, I they did. S- they smile at Coraline, and they have like that that fucking um, dentures, doggy dentures. Uh, do you remember that commercial for? Uh... Yeah. Why did you and remind me of that? Well, that's no, that's what these dogs look like. So... That that that's what came to my head. <laughs> also, Coraline's mother has a she has a two thousand nine mom haircut. <laughs> And dye her dye her hair blonde and she instantly looks like a Karen. Uh, is it, well, no. So, okay, my note is, is um, when... So, she has a 2009 mom haircut. But uh-huh. then when the other mother reveals herself and goes into her monstrous phase, uh, she has a 2009 Karen haircut. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, you're right. That is true. Dye the other mother's hair blonde and she definitely looks like a Karen. 
Yeah, yeah. Other, yeah. Otherwise, like the regular mom haircut is like it's just two thousand nine mom. It's like yeah, upper yeah, middle class. You can um, see Terry Hatcher with that haircut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, it's kind of like it's kind of the hair of um. Oh my God, what's her name? Uh, shit. Another cast member from uh Felicity Huffman. It's like it's kind of like the haircut that Felicity Huffman had on Desperate Housewives. Yeah. Yes, I watched Desperate Housewives. It's a great show. What of it? Uh, I I can't say I did. I I only know the um uh like voiceover that they had for like a bunch of the in between segments or not segments, but like transitions between the scenes. Yeah, because know. the the show kicks off with like the 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 major uh the major like investigation of the first season is that one of their friends uh committed suicide, and she's the one narrating the show oh, from dark. Beyond the Grave. Yeah, that's a. It's oh, okay. the, 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 the thing that, like, and I, I, I don't know if, it, oh, if this was on an episode of Comics Quest or this was just like Alex and I talking about this, but Alex, Alex Lavelle and I, we were talking about Desperate Housewives and how like it was. Cr- and, oh no! Wait, was it? Wait, was it Alex? I think it was mm-hmm. Alex. Maybe I, I, I can't remember now. I was having a conversation with someone about this, about how like Grey's Anatomy was created as like a a a. Uh, a like a parody of medical dramas and then eventually just became like another medical drama where yeah. and then whereas like desperate housewives was a parody of soap operas and it eventually just became a soap opera and it's like yeah but like what's great about well, like but why desperate housewives and Grey's anatomy are different is that Grey's is like desperate housewives didn't last for 15 seasons so it you know like actually stayed a parody for the for the majority of its run uh, yeah I, I can see that yeah and it has um, Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, Grey's Anatomy also had a spinoff for a little while. I don't know if that's still going on. Uh, no, I, I will actually. I believe Grey's Anatomy was the spinoff. No, there was no. There was another one where it was like they moved to L.A. for a a, a like a, a plastic surgery practice. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know because like Grey's Anatomy before Grey's Anatomy there was uh, the show Private Practice. Uh, and good lord, what is her name? She. I'm gonna have to look this up because I like I like I'm genuinely like curious again of like what her name was. She's act like there's actually there are twins there are twin sisters. Um, no, I don't want to search that. Uh, private practice TV series. No, yes. private practice was this was that's what it was. Private practice was the spinoff. I just googled was Grey's Anatomy. That spin-off. was the. Okay, I'm thinking of something else. Okay, no, I'm thinking of something else. 18 seasons. 18 seasons of Grey's Anatomy is on Netflix right now. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And that's 23 episode seasons. That's network TV seasons. Yeah. That okay, is no, I'm, there is something else I'm thinking of and I'm going to look it up. Okay. Godly amount. Crossing Jordan is the series is the series I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. But that's completely different. That dealt with for that went with forensic pathology. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And it had Mahershala Ali and Catherine Hahn, and it was a good show. Uh, but we're not here to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, we're not here to talk about Crossing Jordan, which is a show I really liked. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, we couldn't because I mean, I could, I could, you could tell me about it because I haven't seen it. I could, I could, but that's not what the that's not what this 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 show is about. <laughs> it's just yeah. about Coraline. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, uh. Speaking of like, what? Who did the music for this? Bruno Coulet. I think it's how you pronounce his name. He's a French French composer. Um. Okay. Here we go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There it is. Yeah. I think there's only yeah, like two. I think there's only like two songs, but they're both sung by the other father. 
Yeah, uh, um, they are. Well, and and that voice now isn't actually John Hodgman. It's the because those songs were written by um by they might be giants, and it's the lead singer of they might be giants who's who bec- who does the singing voice for the other dad for the other father. Uh, oh. What is? Yeah, what's his name? Uh, John Linnell, I think is how you pronounce. Yeah, John Linnell. Because they actually wrote like five, I think like five songs for the for the movie, but they did, but because originally this was supposed to be a musical, and then yeah. they moved away from the musical aspect and made it a made it gave it a darker tone. So the music that they had like most of the songs they had written like didn't fit with the tone of the movie anymore. So they removed them. So you just had the other father song sung in like in like when uh when Coraline first meets the other father and then there's a song at the, over the end credits and then that's it there's like so there's like at least three three or three other songs that uh that they might be giants said that they were going to like release on other albums oh, okay yeah um i mean yeah cuz yeah cuz the one that uh yeah cuz you said you, you sang a bar of it the um yeah cuz that one that one's a banger the uh cuz the office the difference between the other father's office and the father's office is, um, yeah, she goes in, he's just kind of slumped over a key, a keyboard and computer. The um, boxes piled everywhere. Yeah. Oh, well, they just moved in. So, you know, like towers um, of boxes. <laughs> one thing I loved is that she, um, during the exploration montage, his computer turns off and it's because Coraline hit a switch. She wasn't. Yes. To. And he's just destroyed. Just like, no, no, no. Yeah, and you just see, you just hear, you see Coraline hearing her dad just yelling, and she just looks around and just puts the switch back and puts the tape back and just runs away. She's like, I didn't do nothing. Yeah, and it's like, yep. Yeah, I, I, I mean, getting back to the animation, because, like, it's it's such a major part of this. It, it is the medium that we're talking about here. The two two points I wanted to make, I, 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 I got a shout out. We we have to shout out the the one of the art the the main artist who was like the inspiration for the for the the visuals of this film, which is uh, a Japanese illustrator by the name of Tadahiro. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name right. Tadahiro um Uswegi, I believe is how he pronounces. I think is how you say his last name. Uh, he is uh his 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 main influences are like uh like American magazine uh like at like illustrations from the 50s and 60s. And like, if you look up his work, like, I, I, like when I, when I looked up his work, I was like, oh, I immediately f- like see like w- like the influence on the mo- on this movie. Uh, and then like you can and y- you can still look up like his concept art for the movie, and it's, it's fucking great. Um, so I gotta shout, I gotta shout him out, uh, cause his stuff is great, and I and he's like the the main, he was like the main influence on the visuals of this movie, and also I gotta talk, we we, we need to talk about how like how this movie like handles the visuals of the real world and the other world uh well yeah it's like i mean some of it's subtle where like the real world is a little bit duller or like a little bit flatter tones yeah and um, like they like the way they built the sets too is like they they actually like literally like just like scrunched everything together to make everything more claustrophobic mm-hmm. so then when they built the sets for the other world they made everything a bit more open they cha- and they changed a lot of the scenery they of course br- like brought the colors out more made it gave it like the wizard of oz effect where you know she goes from the real like this bland real world to this colorful fantastical other world which 
I found out. So okay, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're good. I, it's, I found out on Musical Splaining, uh, Lindsay Ellis's uh, musical podcast, where she covers. Um, uh, she she has her friend that doesn't like musicals, that forces him to watch musicals. But because of COVID, instead of going to the theater, they started doing movies. And so one of them was um, one of them was Wizard of Oz, and uh, Nella uh, is a big fan of Wizard of Oz, so she guessed it on that episode. And she talked about how apparently how they did that shot. Because this is before, like, you could, like, you know, digitally paste uh, shots together and all that different stuff. They literally just painted the set, painted the door and walls sepia. Yeah. Filmed it in color and then just had her open the door. And, like, I don't know if they, like, put her in a sepia wig or something, but, like, she like she looks sepia as well. So, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, The Wizard of Oz in and of itself is magical. Yeah, I, it's... I, 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 I hate the fact that they, like they changed the ending from the book to make it seem like that, like oh, she's just a silly little girl who, who like bonked her head and she knows like no, she actually went to the to another world, and that's the way I will always read the the that ending because that's how it's supposed to be read. Well, the Wizard well, of Oz I mean, is in, great. It, well, in the later books, she apparently moves there with aunt, yeah she goes with back her, with her with well she moves there with her aunt and uncle they're like okay yeah. well y'all are getting old um so let's retire where you'll never die <laughs> yeah yeah the books get wild uh yeah uh yeah probably, no i i i, I absolutely love the wizard of oz if i ever got t- to teach like a film class for high schoolers the wizard of oz wizard of oz would be the first movie i show um, it apparently also like has one of the first trans characters in American literature, probably uh, a prince that was turned into a princess. Dope. Um, uh, as as per usual, I have not read these books. I have just read other people talking about how <laughs> they got that being one of them. Uh, but yeah, no, see, the animation is insane. So the one thing about the one thing I, I will say in terms of the um, we talked about the pluses earlier uh actually seeing the world but i want to say one of the drawbacks is the kind of the revelation of Coraline is that the other mother doesn't actually change like she does in the movie Coraline makes the comment of like i i don't understand how i ever could have like thought this woman was my mother or Mm -hmm. this thing was my mother because actually from from the go when she meets the other mother she talks about like well she looks like my mother but her fingers are longer, and she's paler, and has button eyes. So, like, she already is noticing differences. But the only difference we see in the movie is the button eyes, and with the dad, the difference in hair and the button eyes. Yeah, and, um, and like, his stature is a bit different. Like, he's not so scrunched over. Yeah, which, I mean, again, also, like, is is a, is a good change for the medium because you— because, uh, you do have like this better feeling of, ma- of magicalness of the world uh you know why she would even consider staying there in the first place and yeah so like uh every <laughs> yeah so pretty much everyone gets a glow up um, <laughs> yeah and well except for mrs Fink and mrs forcible but because they get the glow up in the book too where they keep which is amazing this being stop motion they keep the scene where they are on the trapeze and in midair unzip <laughs> unzip their their fat old bodies and out pops their young bodies. Yeah, can we talk about that scene for a second and the fact that um I believe it's Miss Forcible who is just like practically naked very, in this very PG buxom. movie. Yeah, very... in this PG movie. 
<laughs> where she where literally all she has is like 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 uh like like plastic pasties. On. Yeah, it's like yeah, she's like uh she she could put Dolly Parton to shame cuz like Everything else is no kind of, joke. Everything else is kind of like regularly proportioned. Like everything's like like looks like a normal human except for these gigantic breasts. Which yeah, then uh yeah. So like in the opening, the change one of the changes they make to that is they they have them in their old bodies doing this opera and they're fighting uh back and forth about which one to do this opera. Which uh props to those poor dog stage hands. Oh, I know, going uh, back and forth, back and forth on their wheels, <laughs> changing the set. Yeah, um, that was that was a good little that was a good little gag. And yeah, then they do, and then so once the opera thing crashes and everything is when they then switch to the uh, trapeze stuff, and then that's when they do the which is which is an incredible piece of animation. Like I said, it, they show them like jumping, and then as they go up, to touch the top of their heads and just unzip. It's insane to see. It's great. I, I I love I love it. You love to see it. Uh, and another thing I want to talk about too. Uh, going back to the animation because I just love it. Because again, I'm also just reading it too. Uh, so this was I believe this was the first stop motion animated movie shot in 3D. I believe it was. Oh, um, was it shot? Was it shot for 3D? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah, shot for I 3D. Guess, yeah, because I guess that was that craze. Because. Uh... Yeah, was so the- uh, like Henry Selleck, he he had befriended someone who was uh, who who like was like one of the four was at like the forefront of the three D movement during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget. I think it's Lenny Lenny Lupton or Lenny Lipton, I believe was his name. Uh, but anyway, like like they oh here yeah uh, yeah Lenny Lipton. Uh, he's like the who's described by Henry Selleck as the modern father of three D uh so yeah like they had like they worked together before on like a music video uh that was shot in 3d and apparently like lipton is a huge is a huge fan of stop motion films so they like always talked about like you know like what they could do like talk about like what maybe they could do uh so here is like some a, 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 kind of a long quote i'll say this uh, from Henry Selick about it. So, uh, says, uh, so Henry Selick, quote, And simultaneously, I was still looking for our Wizard of Oz device, like going from black and white to color. I can't just do that. It's really tired. What I can do to differentiate between these worlds, and it was right in front of me, we can use 3D. But let's not go overboard. Let's only have it perfectly... F- let's not only have it perfectly flat in the real world and then huge 3D in the other world. So we use it very subtly and here and there we crank it up, end quote. So yeah. like, so like Selick basically was, was just decided like we use the 3D at certain moments to either hi- and like, you know, heighten the claustrophobia of the real world or heighten the fantasticalness of the other world. And then later in the movie, when the other world starts to deteriorate or uh, starts to kind of like show, like the Beldum starts to like show its true colors through the other world. We crank the 3d up real high to, to, to like make it make the other world seem extremely uncomfortable in a fantastical way. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Well, like, and you can also see that like, so this was 2009. The last mm-hmm. movie, the last stop motion movie he made was uh 96. Mm-hmm. And so like, you can definitely see like the, him using the new technology for, for stop motion. Yeah. Um, and like, cause it definitely looks a lot, uh, 
the only word I can think of is slicker, but like not not in a bad way compared to James of the Giant Peach and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, because those movies are still absolute yeah. bangers. Yeah, yeah, no, they they still they, those still look good. We also have to mention but, that in between James and Coraline, he also directed the live action film Monkey Bone, starring my boy Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which this is actually, this is just, this is his world. We just live in it. Yeah. It's, That's all I gotta say. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's, I haven't seen that one, but that, I mean, that also does have stop motion. Monkey bone is stop motion. The character monkey bone, not the movie. It's great. It's been, so, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I know that there's a bunch of dick jokes and a real long fart joke. Yeah. Cause the, cause th- there's some poison and monkey bones parade float. And then he farts it out. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I just know it was weird as hell. It is absolutely bizarre, and I love every moment of it. I don't care what anybody says. Super Yaki has my back. So apparently they're doing their, like a, uh, I was Googling to see what Laika's next movie would be. It may be live action. Laika's dipping their toe into live action? Uh, they, uh, they've optioned... 17, the upcoming first novel by John Brownlow. And this is a Hollywood Reporter article for March 31st, uh, 2021. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm still intrigued. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, in terms of like their, if they keep like the same, like, uh, writing, kind of writing staff or like producers to guide the writers, like, no, because like they've all been, the, like, the ones I've seen, like, Coraline is great. Uh, of course, that's an adaptation. But then, um, Kubo and the Two Strings and Paranorman. Paranorman, I really love. That's one of my favorite animated movies. It's pretty. Guess... It's pretty great. Also, has uh, one of my favorite uh, queer characters. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. It's it it's kind of a Disney, but they also didn't advertise it. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't. Like, they didn't uh, do the Disney thing of like yeah. we finally have our first gay ter- gay character for the seventh time, and he's yeah. actually a background character, and you're only gonna see him dance with another boy. <gasps> Scandal. Yeah, but the one in Paranorman is this football player, uh, Jock, and he's one of the kids that goes on the adventure, <laughs> and this Paranorman's older sister is trying to the entire movie trying to give it this thirsting it over this him. Thirsting yeah. over him. Uh, uh, and then his last slide of the movie, uh, after, like, they solve everything and, you know, like, you know, uh, cut to credits in, in you know, 30 seconds. <laughs> his last slide of the movie is, man, my boyfriend, uh, my boyfriend will really love, won't believe this story or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, wow, it's like, wow, you're so great. I, I'm like, you should be my boyfriend. I think you two would get along really well, something like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just real sly, like, but again, like, I did not advertise it, like, oh, we got a quick, it's like, no, it was just a hilarious fucking joke. Yeah. Um, okay, so okay. here I have it, uh, and and this is from Wikipedia, so, you know, listeners, take this with a grain of salt. On March 31st, Laika announced that they're adapting their first live-action film based on the action thriller novel 17 by John Brownlow, who is said to be, is said to be a fan of Laika's previous work. It was also confirmed that the studio is currently working on their sixth stop-motion animated film. Okay, they just haven't announced it. I mean, yeah, because like I'm reading this from the Hollywood Reporter as well. So yeah. Uh, so um, and also, uh, this is also really weird. Uh, Leica is owned by the co-founder of Nike. 
Phil Knight. I'm cool. I, I mean, I'm cool with it. Like, and then and Travis Knight, the uh, the previous mentioned Travis Knight, lead, lead one of the lead animators of Coraline and director of Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, is his son and is now the uh, the president and CEO of Leica. But yeah, whichever one, listeners, whichever movie of those comes first, their next animated movie or uh, buy buy a ticket. Don't don't you don't even have to go see it. Just buy a ticket. Like they yeah, just buy a ticket <laughs> and go home. <laughs> yeah, they. they... Uh, oh god! Like they lost so much money. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, look, Listen, okay, look. Like... I feel really sorry for whatever because I remember back in. Uh, I remember hearing like back in 1980. I guess it was either late 88 or 89 before Tim Burton's Batman had come out. Uh, because you couldn't just go because at that time you couldn't just go onto a computer and look up the trailer for the new Batman movie. Uh, oh yeah. Fans would just go buy a ticket to whatever movie coming out. Yeah, you know, yeah, they would call. Yeah, they would call the theaters. It is Batman is the Batman trailer before before like, these movies? They just yeah. buy a ticket to go see that movie, like buy buy a ticket for the movie, sit and watch the trailer, and then as soon as the trailer was done, they would walk out, yeah, they would, yeah, not even see yeah. the movie. I, I won't. I won't say I would. I would be one of those fans, but um, if I'm excited for a movie, I do watch the trailer a lot. Depends. I, I guess it depends on the trailer for me. I to to be honest, I normally for certain movies I like to avoid trailers. You know, I like I like the Green Knight. I I watched the trailer for that one because it was just kind of ever present. But like. Yeah. The new movie Pig starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I still haven't seen the trailer for it. I, I'm really mad at myself right now. I am so mad right now that I I I missed out on getting to see it in the theater. Like the only theater like the closest theater now to me that's playing is like two hours away. So oh, yeah. I can't see it now. Like I have to watch it at home, which is like I'm going to. I'm gonna watch because I, I have to see Pig. Every like yeah. everyone I know is saying it's one of the best movies of the year, so I'm like, I gotta watch it. I I feel like Nicolas Cage is finally out of his his uh his tax hole to where he could be a little I bit more cheesy. I don't think he is because he's still he, he's still putting out like directed DVD garbage. It's but it's like it's more it's few and far between because because now more he's interesting getting... garbage. <laughs> like... Yeah, and but and but uh, but like he's but you're right. He is now getting to do like Mandy and Color Out of Space and now Pig, uh, which apparently are all edited by the same person. Oh, and yeah, also okay. was, yeah, was who's also the editor of Daniel Isn't Real, a movie I think everyone should watch because it's dope as hell. Uh, yeah, he probably um, yeah, probably like has found a, a team he enjoys walk working with right now. Yeah, and and also like speaking uh, speaking of color out of space, um, this is something else I wanted to uh, I guess we could talk about too. Um, so you were mentioning how like one of the drawbacks of of you know filming an adaptation of a story. Is that we kind of we kind of lose the 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 like the the visualization like the the internal visualization I guess when it comes to well, reading yeah, like the, of the well, yeah like the yeah because like the the mind's eye where it's just like instead of literally transforming it's she's always looked like that but like it, it, it there's there's a level of mystery to it the rose colored like, glasses have come off yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's the slow it's like why, why did he ever think this looked like this like this mm-hmm. isn't my house this is like a weird like drawing almost of my house like yeah and the and something i wanted to point out was like so color out of space is like one of the few successful adaptations of lovecraftian of love of a lovecraft story and uh, the, a, a big thing with lovecraft lovecraftian horror by the way hp lovecraft fucking horrible asshole fuck hp lovecraft 
Um, well, it, yeah, I mean, Love Lovecraftian. Material. It's transcended like, the it's, like the like the yeah. term itself has transcended the asshole who it originates from. Yeah. Uh, like, so yeah, like his his effect is done. We can like take what he did and um you know uh it wash out the racism. Yes. Uh, and, and I'd say we've been doing that since like since 1982 with John Carpenter's The Thing, because uh, I, I consider The Thing as like a love like a Lovecraftian horror story. It's that it's that type of like cosmic horror of you know, and, and, and it continued not, with yeah. like Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness, and then I, I like, can see that. Like, yeah. They're not like direct. They're, they're of course not direct adaptations, but they're like they're definitely like vi- just like visual representations of that that the, type of that, Lovecraftian horror. Yeah, and, that vibe. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I would say this is the, this is that kind of situation of uh, Coraline is like it's kind of like Lovecraftian horror for kids, where mm-hmm. like you have like this visual like you 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 have all the visuals visualization in your head and like you let your imagination kind of run wild with what it is, and then once you but and then once you put it on film and you commit to what it's supposed to look like, you have to make changes for the medium in order for it to to have like a similar effect not the same effect because again this is a completely different medium but at least mm-hmm. get like get like a similar reaction out of uh out of the viewer um when yeah. you know, like like a similar reaction from when from when they would read the story you know so that's why i, I that's why i really love the like the trans the the like literal physical transformation of the beldum in the movie well i mean yeah well it's it's not bad. It's just like, no. like it's yeah. different. There is a, a there is something to be said about the mind's eye with the way he describes the becoming less real, uh, degradation, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. Um, like I was recently, I recently read uh, the Stephen King novel Revival, which is like very oh, much yeah. like seeped <laughs> into. Lo- have you read Have you read Revival? Uh, three quarters of it. Yeah. Eh, boy that, that, that like it is definitely for sure like my my favorite of stephen king's 21st century novels uh i think, I think he's getting his groove back after getting hit by a van yeah i well yeah like i i i love a lot of what of what he's been doing lately i'm i i haven't picked up my copy yet but i i'm really excited to to read billy summers because that's that is a different vibe for him definitely like following a story about a hitman Who's on, yeah. who goes on the run. I think that's really, I, I just think it's cool. But like revival is like him getting to do cynic, like cynical Lovecraftian balls to the wall, ho- straight horror. And uh, like, uh, like there, there was an attempt made by Mike Flanagan to, to get that and made into a movie. And I'm like, I would love to see Mike Flanagan's revival. I think it would be dope as hell, but just the way that story is told in the novel, I don't, I don't know if I would, if I truly like in my, in my heart of hearts really want a film of revival. I love it the way it is. If we got a movie, I think, I think it would be still be great, but I just love the way it's told in the novel. And I think, I, I, I I think that it's similar with Coraline of like, I love the way it's done in the novel and, and, you know, just having to do it with a different, in, in a different medium with stop motion animation and film, you know, you got to make those changes and, I love you know I love the film for different reasons in that way. Yeah, right. Like like so my opinion of adaptations is it's not it's not an inherently bad thing, right? No. You you, you there are some drawbacks. Like there's certain things that other mediums just can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Alan Moore got so pissed about his adaptations. Um, Rightfully or, so, because most of them sucked. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's a that's a that's another discussion um, in terms of the quality. But yeah, you 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 make changes n- that need be for the medium in terms of like you can't like yeah that that you know you could try to capture that feel that Coraline did, but like y- you got to change it a little bit. So you know, it, it, I think they you know as good as they could have done. Like I said, it's it's different, not bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, and and but then uh. My other philosophy on adaptations is uh, my other philosophy on adaptations is you. It's almost like a third draft. So let's say you have the f- first draft. Second draft is what gets published, but then like the adaptations of the third draft, like even more refined. And I feel like that's what the um, Invincible show is doing, uh, probably pretty well so far. Like it, it just it was just really really solid because they they know the endpoint. They know the story. They made changes in terms of the when certain elements for, are for the revealed. medium. Yeah, well, they made changes for the medium, but then also just yeah, like when certain elements are revealed, and it does change the story. But like I, I yeah, I just think it's it it, it feels like a it feels like another pass, like a better refined. Like uh, well, we talked about it on the um Doom Patrol episode of yeah uh, with the Doom Patrol uh, the show that like that feels like like a, like a like a like a nice like. No, like like it has, it's like another pass at that you know, at that team at that at that cast of characters and doing like a just a new version um but with but with a, a heavy dose of influence from past iterations of the uh, of of those characters yeah which uh we just at the time we're recording this the trailer for the show for the season three just got dropped I think it'll have premiered by the time this airs. Which I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, especially after I, that fucking look, cliffhanger. I, I shared, I shared the the trailer on on Discord. I have not watched it because I refuse to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, there, like there's that part of me that wants to watch it because I'm like I want, I want like my my little bit of like Doom Patrol med- medication, but at the same time I'm like no, I don't want to see anything. I Did want you... to go. I want to go into this. Very, 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 very blind. Uh, did you ever finish the second season? I think no. we, when we record. Come on, man! The last time we were when we recorded the Two Patrol episode, which was like over a month ago at this point, you had two episodes left, right? Like something like that. Like I have five. I have five episodes five? left. Okay. Uh, and all, well, okay. Here's the thing, though, Angela. I have two other podcasts. I I do. I mean, you do. I mean, you do. I have a lot. I, 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 I have a lot to read, especially like the the like the past like two weeks when I've I've had to read New X Men, JLA, and Why the Last Man back to back to back. I legit <laughs> read Why the Last the Man in two days. The long the long haul's gonna drain you, man. I, I mean, it's a great show. Like have the old again, but <laughs> I I I believe what I'm gonna do is I'm eventually going to just put it on hold for a while because it's. It is draining me because, like, here, here, here is something for 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 you listeners who also listen to the long haul. Uh, eventually, I'm going to be covering every single comic published by Young Animal. Uh, is that a writer or a publisher? Young Animal was the was the uh, DC imprint that Gerard Way started after he had like like he had all he was already writing the Umbrella Academy. He uh, he like My Chemical Romance had broke up, and then he got with DC and started Young Animal and that was their way of like relaunching all of their old obscure characters. So they got like Gerard Way was writing Doom Patrol. Uh I believe it was was it 
not Magdalene Visaggio. She did she did eventually write a comic. It was um Eternity Girl, but like they had Doom Patrol, um what was originally Shade the Changing Man became Shade the Changing Girl. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye and uh fuck, what was the fourth one? Motherfucker, what was it? Oh I mean, my long, god. I mean long story Yeah, but I like mean, long story yeah. short. I'm, I'm, I'm short, like, that's gonna be like a hundred issues that I'm gonna episode. be doing in like two episodes. <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like maybe you should do one for each of those series, but no, 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 I'm not. I'm not doing that. I, I committed to this. I mean, you're doing an episode, you're doing a season for Morrison. Yeah, like I, yeah I, I am, and like, I could do that, but like, I don't know. I, I, I it's that the thing is, like, those two episodes are also way down the road, and at least like each comic is like 12 issues, so they're not super long. And then there, there's the event yeah. Milk Wars, and then there's uh, like six issue, uh, like sequel series to each of those twelve, each of those books, uh, and then there's also the, the twelve issue series Far Sector. Yeah, it's yeah, it's you know, I mean, yeah, your your show. Uh, <laughs> now, that we, now, now that now that we've talked about you know talked shop on on Mike. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and how um, I'm slowly gonna make my, going to make myself insane. But yeah, I uh, think that's about all I wanted to cover. Like the the animation's great. Like it it is a good adaptation. Like I said, it it makes the necessary changes for the medium and or like does it interpret you know does it interpretation of what's in the book with the limitations of the medium. And yeah, great voice cast. Uh, like I said, you you heard the other mother's voice uh, when you were doing when you were reading it. Uh, I heard <laughs> I heard the cat's voice. Yeah. Uh, oh, and me too. I it. definitely heard Keith David speaking as the cat when I was reading the book. Yeah, and also, I, I guess yeah. I'll, to finish to finish off for discussion on this, I will, I will impart upon you my favorite quote, one of my fa- many favorite quotes from the wonderful director that is David Cronenberg. Uh, when he when he talks about adaptations, uh, he likes to say, "To be faithful to the book, you have to betray it." Mm-hmm. There you go. Um. Oh, like I said. I don't think it betrayed it, but yeah. No, no, um, it's 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 broad strokes, broad strokes. Uh, I I definitely think um I definitely think Kubrick <laughs> betrayed the, the Shining. Uh, did something happen I, to you fight, right, before, right before we recorded? Did you like finish reading The Shining for the first time and you're just like, well, Kubrick butchered this shit? No, I so okay. Uh, brief history, my, brief history uh, uh, of br- brief personal history of The Shining. So the first time I saw the movie, um, it was on cable. Mistake one. Uh, a two and a half hour movie became like four uh, with commercials. Mm-hmm. So that was a mistake. But then I read the book, loved the book, and it's like, well, okay. So I've read the book now. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie, and like, I, you know, I'll actually watch it compared to being cut up for for cable. And then realized all the changes he made, and it's like, I, why use the name The Shining? Like, this is an entire, like, I, I, I realize he wanted to tell a different story, but that's what pissed me off. And it's like, why slap the Shining serial number on it? Like, well, Henry Selick wanted to tell a different story with Coraline than Neil Gaiman had told. But it's still in the same spirit. I, like, so the difference between, like I said, we, well, we've talked about the difference between the book Coraline and movie Coraline. Like, one's kind of growing up and the other one's kind of appreciating what you have, which is like, a, it's, that's a form of growing up. Yeah. 
because like uh, that's a form of growing up. So it's like it's same spirit. The difference between book shining and movie shining is book shining is about a man who loves his family trying to control his demons so that he doesn't hurt them again. Movie shining is just about a crazy motherfucker from the beginning trying to pretend to be safe. That's an that's an entirely different vibe. Yeah. Uh, which like a valid story. Like the the last thirty minutes scare me. I think the first two, you know, the first hour forty five drag. But that's uh, that's I uh, I'm just not a Kubrick fan. Like um, I get it. Like I like I I like most of Kubrick's movies, but I will by no means say that like I am his biggest fan. Uh, I I appreciate what he provided for cinema. I do think that I like I, I I understand like 2001 is based out as he's like considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Doctor mm. Strange Love is his best is his best movie at me fools. But like yeah I I, I, s- I, I think like the shine I, when it comes to the shining like I I, I not and, and as you pointed out it's not the same but I kind of view it the same it's honestly the same way I view any at any adaptation where I still love both pieces is that I just love mm-hmm. them for t- for two very different I love them for for their own reasons. So like the yeah. shining the shining, you know, it, the, the the movie the shining is very is giving me something very different than the novel, which is actually something I kind of appreciate because which we get like when you get like a straight up faithful very faithful adaptation of the shining, you get the mini series which is not good. Which okay, well, like what well that one is also was written by uh, King, yeah. Was written by King himself. That that screenplay or teleplay, which that's not uh, uh, unlike Neil Gaiman, of course, the subject of this podcast. <laughs> King is not branched out really into like other mediums or like other formulas of writing. Yeah, he he, so, like, he has occasionally di- yeah. like he does occasionally dip into the the odd you know sort of thing like like he wrote like he wrote creep the 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 first creep show movie. He wrote the miniseries Rose Red, um, mm. which was an original thing, well, and then he. Uh, well, it's, I've seen Creepshow recently, and I think that one of the reasons that works is that he very much col- it was very much a collaboration with George Romero, who knew what the fuck he was doing with movies. Yes, yeah, George uh, Romero is great, and also not to say that yeah. Mick Garris doesn't know what he's doing because Mick Garris is a I think is a very good director, and also, mm. uh, lest we not lest we forget. Uh, Stephen King also wrote the brilliant movie that is Sleepwalkers. Oh, is it, I thought you were talking about the one with the truck. Oh, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, that movie. <laughs> oh, you mean the movie that like you, you mean the movie where where Stephen King was high on cocaine the entire time? Oh yeah, no, that yeah, that was during his cocaine phase. Yeah, that was like that <laughs> same, was the, that, same with Cujo. Yeah, like Cujo and the Tommyknockers were like the and Maximum Overdrive were like the height of King's cocaine phase. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, but, um... That, yeah, Maximum Overdrive is covered in cocaine, and I love it so much. No, Sleepwalkers uh, is the in, is the weird incest movie. Oh, oh god, I, I, I don't know anything about that, that's, that's all I need to No, know. Sleepwalkers is great, um, everyone watch Sleepwalkers, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so bizarre. But, yeah, so, to, uh, to wrap up, I, yeah... I do like the movie, or, or I, I do like the Coraline adaptation. Like I said, I, I feel like it's the same spirit. And in terms of adaptation in general, I do realize that The Shining d- d- does does do something entirely different. That different thing just didn't click with me. And that's uh, fine. Like I said, yeah. And it's like I said, it, in general, I'm not a, a, a in general, I'm not a Kubrick fan. Um, his one with 
Well, he did Spartacus. It's I watched that in high school, but I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, his more Hollywood stuff, like as as my friend, I've had a very long conversation about Kubrick with my uh, dear dear friend Miguel. Hey, Miguel. <laughs> but and then he also told me to watch. Uh, he recommended me. Um, what is the name of it? It's, it was his second Kirk Douglas movie. Oh, uh, Spartacus was was his second. Uh, his first was Paths of Glory. Was Spartacus the second? Yes, because like they oh, like well, they yeah, had done. Yeah, Pazaglory is the one. Pazaglory is the one I'm thinking. Yeah, Pazaglory, which is great, um, and like that that they have worked together yeah. well on that. That the original like Kirk Douglas had was like a major force on Spartacus that he got the original director fired, and he mm-hmm. had a Stanley he had Kubrick hired yeah. because he thought he could control him, and then Kubrick's like, yeah. oh. nope, you cannot control me. I'm gonna do what I want. Uh, also, well, also with with Kirk Douglas and Spartacus, he uh, petitioned to get um, Trumbo's name on it. He was part of the Hollywood Nine blacklist. Yeah, yeah, uh, like him and, and, and Otto Preminger, who uh, which uh, he and Trumbo cr- collaborated on the film Exodus. Yeah, as well, but he still wasn't uh, with Exodus. He wasn't credited. I think Spartacus was his first comeback, and that was because I thought he was with his on name Exodus. on screen again. What's he? I don't know. He might have been. Um, who knows? Well, I, well, I did, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. This is not about uh, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Uh, that would, that would, well, that would be a musical splitting one where it's like, you like Kubrick, I hate Kubrick. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, like, like, uh, like I said, I, 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 I like him. Uh, he is by no means my, my, like my favorite. He is n- not made yeah. my favorite stuff. Like The Shining um, I, is a great horror movie. Uh, I. I I don't think I would put it in my top ten. Maybe uh, top twenty. Paz, legit though, Pazaglory is is an inc- I found to be an incredible film or or a, a moving one. Yeah. Um. I I'll no by no means call Kubrick a hack, but yeah. most of his stuff just doesn't grab me. Pazaglory definitely grabbed me. Like that was a great movie. Yeah. Um, and Spartacus so, is great too. Yeah. So you can. Come at me on Twitter uh, <laughs> at uh, at Bullock Bits, um, where you can find uh, info to my comics, my history Instagram, and my cat Instagram. And I also want to thank uh, say thank you to my big brother Sean for our theme and the wonderful Nikki Berger uh, for our logo, who you can find on Twitter at Double Burger and on Instagram at Double Burger Comics. That is B E R G E R. And check out those links. Uh, in the description below. Hell yeah. And if you want to follow me, you can, fo- and, and you want to tell me that, that I'm wrong for liking Kubrick or I'm wrong. Uh, and that Kubrick is not one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. You can, you can shout at me, uh, at on Twitter at JD underscore Martin underscore. And also, uh, if you want to just like yell at, if you, if you don't want to, if you don't want to divide your time between the two of us and you just want to find us both at one place, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at F and R pod that is and spell out uh and on instagram same handle yes um that is yeah i did forget that that is also true uh, as well as um our wonderful discord uh hosted by jd uh i'm on there all the time and it has just been updated um for to have a fables and reflections section yep so you so uh, we can as- we can all come on here and, and talk about game and stuff and I can I can I can brag to brag in front of Angela that I uh, have a, a a badass framed Sandman poster in my home now. I I am I, I am jelly that you uh, I am jelly of that poster. You did you did send that to the main chat. 
Um, so, yeah, um, I believe that is all the credits. Yeah. So jo- join us yeah. next time. Uh, so join, uh, yeah, join us in two weeks. Uh, same bat channel, same bat place <laughs> uh, for the novel uh, Stardust. Yes, and I believe we have a guest on that episode. Uh, I, I believe we do. Uh, we shall let them introduce themselves then. Yes. Uh, so yeah, look for look forward to that. Uh, if 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 you want to, you can speculate. You can come to the Discord and speculate if uh, who who that who that guest might be. Uh, I will go ahead and just say um, to give you a hint. Uh, it is a fr- it is a is a mutual friend of ours who has appeared multiple times on Comics Quest. There you go. Uh, yeah, they the yeah they the progenitor the the person you can blame for this the, these shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, come back next week. Hear us talk about uh the the novel Stardust, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you to my big brother, Sean Bullock, for our theme. You can check out his work at seanbullock.com. And the wonderful Nikki Berger for our logo, who you can find on Twitter at DoubleBurger and on Instagram at DoubleBurgerComics. For updates, sharing your thoughts, or if you just want to yell at us, check out the show on Twitter and Instagram at F&RPod. And you can find me on Twitter at JD underscore Martin underscore. And you can check me out on Twitter at BullockBits, where you can find info to my comics, history Instagram, and cat Instagram. And come hang out with us on the show's Discord. Check out the links to everything in the episode's description. Including our wonderful guest info. Whoever that may be. Hello. That's good.